Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January the 13th. In the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips even today. We got a lot we can do to restore the republic, ladies and gentlemen. Don't lose heart, please. Know that the Savior Jesus Christ is coming, our ultimate king. Until then, we want a constitutional government, a constitutional republic based on checks and balances and the dividing of power. And we don't seek for power. We seek to pull it down. And we want to promote the greatest country on the face of the earth. And our greatest export should be the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. Let's be very clear. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And although we abhor violence, we stand against violence. We plead people to calm down, simmer down, chill out, mellow out, hang tight, get along, be patient, respect one another, all those things. We also understand there is a time when protecting one's self is vital. And we also know from the Declaration of Independence that, you know what, when a nation becomes too belligerent, too evil, and too abusive, uh, that folks need to throw off the chains of that government. However, I want to be very clear, we don't believe we're at the same spot our founding fathers were at, right? Our founding fathers had King George, who was abusive. Uh, they didn't have the proper role of government. They didn't have the checks and balances. They didn't have the Constitution. They didn't have the division of power. They didn't have appropriate elections. They didn't have a lot of the things we had. And they documented what they didn't have and what they were missing and what the grievances were, if you will, before a candid world and before God and the Declaration of Independence, they articulated the train of usurpations, uh, abuses against them, if you will. And some would say, when I'll, well, Sam, when I read the Declaration of Independence right now, it looks similar to me. And my response is not even close. Not even close. Be very clear, you still walk the streets today, you know what, unmolested and free. We still have plenty of liberty left. Now, have we lost a lot? Yes, we have, and it's sad to say. But you know what, you can track the loss of liberty directly to the loss of morality in the people. You can directly, you know, track the loss of liberty to the lack of religious freedom in the country as well. So let's not lose heart, but let's not overstate the issue either please let's understand who we are and what we've got to do to resolve the problems in america see in my opinion that's one of the most positive messages you can get all right we don't need the 10 gazillion commandments of government to solve america's problems what we need are the 10 commandments i kid you not i know it sounds uh, sam you've oversimplified it once again i don't think so i don't think that it needs to be over simplified i think it's simple enough i just think we've lost sight of it this solutions ladies and gentlemen are in plain sight but for some reason we want to go look far 
Oh, the solution's got to be complicated. Somebody must have not discovered it yet. We go on and on and on, <clears throat> ignoring what's right in front of our very face. Look, folks, the answers are in your family and turning to your God. All right? And I'm telling you, it is that simple. The answers are within the walls of your own home. The answers are in your own heart, your own actions. In other words, your own words and deeds, your behavior. The answers are in what you can do to make a difference. You know, uh, my buddy Chuck Harder, the late Chuck Harder, who used to say, you know, I can't fix the world by 3 o'clock, but I can do what I can do, and that which I can do, I will do. That is the point, all right? I get that there's a lot of complicated stuff out there, and I get that we want complicated solutions, and I get that we're looking for a leader to save us. I get all that. Folks, we already have a leader to save us. It is Jesus Christ. And I mentioned to you his names. The Prince of Peace is one of them. Okay, we are a peaceful people, folks. But there are times when we must fight. There are times when we must stand. There are times when we must work towards solutions, right? So I'm going to document some of those times, and right now is one of them. And let me give you an example of the propaganda of the mainstream press and the dishonesty they're exhibiting on a daily basis, hourly basis, I might even add. An hourly basis, I kid you not. Headline says Donald Trump refuses to take blame for attack, USA Today. Well, you want to know why Donald Trump is refusing to take blame for the attack? Because he is not to blame for the attack. This is where the mainstream press is completely dishonest. Donald Trump did not advocate for violence. He did not say breach the Capitol. He did not. But even if he did... You can't take words of one and make them into actions of another. Okay? Let me give you an example to make the point. And, and, and again, I know this example is a little bit crude, but it does highlight what I'm getting at. Let's say there's three brothers, Peter, James, and John. And these three brothers, um, you know what? Peter says to John, I'm going to kill you. And he just means quit picking on me. You stole my candy bar, whatever. I'm going to kill you. No, he shouldn't say that. I get that. I understand. But Peter says this to John. And then later we find John dead. And we find out that mm, James might have done it. We're not really sure, but we're going to blame it on James anyway, okay? So we blame it on James. And we say, you know what, James? What on earth? Why did you kill John? Well, Peter said, I'm going to kill you. I just helped Peter out. I, I took it literally. Now, who's going to jail? John's dead, right? Uh, Peter um, said, I'm going to kill you, but James actually carried out the act. Who's the one guilty of the murder? James, right? So I know this simple, crude example is kind of a, a little bit comical, but it illustrates the point. Number one, we're still debating who done it. Number one, right? We're still going, well, we got to track down all these people. The FBI has a big old plan. We're going to find out who was involved where. Well, they're all Trump supporters, what they've been saying for weeks. What do you mean you got to find out who where? Right, It's January 13th, all this happened on the 6th, so just over a week. Uh, but they, they say on one hand, it's all Trump supporters that did it. We're positive. We don't have any evidence of anybody else doing it, for sure. But yet we're gonna, we don't really know who did it, but we're going to blame it on the Trump supporters. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take President Trump's discussions and turn them into reality, into action, and then blame it on the, the speaker. Okay, that couldn't be more wrong. We are not responsible for Adam's transgression is the way we ought to put it.
We ought to explain it. We ought to say, okay, so even if Trump did advocate for violence, that doesn't mean that those who took the violent acts, that it's Trump that did it or that Trump, Trump should take the blame. That's not true. But Trump did not even advocate for those kind. Now, let's take another thing. Peter says to John, I'm going to punch you if you don't quit taking my candy bars. So then James kills John. And then, you know, they say, Peter, you should not have threatened to punch your brother. <clears throat> In fact, you're, you are the one to take the blame for James killing your brother. See, this quantum leap of logic has got to stop. Okay, it's not logical. It's not rational. It's not reasonable. All right? Because you could put George Washington on trial. Uh, let's say he's in the war, the Civil War. Well, he wasn't in the Civil War, was he? No. So you got to get history straight. You can't just associate facts and places and things and people with people who weren't there. Donald Trump was not at the Capitol, ladies and gentlemen. So you can't say George Washington was at the Civil War because he wasn't. You can't say that Donald Trump was at the Capitol building because he wasn't. He was at the peaceful rally, and then I don't know where he went. We ought to dig into that and prove that point. But So you can't just make up things. You can't just pretend things. Okay, I can't pretend that George Washington was at the Civil War. He wasn't. Okay, the Revolutionary War now. And George Washington says, fight on, brethren. And now we say anybody that's a patriot that believes in George Washington is saying, fight on, brethren, at the Capitol. That isn't true either. Different place, different time, different circumstance. So you say, well, wait a minute, Sam, your logic falls apart because Trump did say go to the Capitol. Yes, he did. He did say, uh, you know what? Peacefully go to the Capitol and help your congressmen and senators that are weak be strong. He didn't say kidnap them. He didn't say destroy property. He didn't say beat up police officers. He didn't say vandalize. Okay, he didn't say commit violence. He said, help them be strong. Help them fight for what's right. Okay, so we're taking words out of context. We're playing games with who was where. We're shifting blame dishonestly. Okay, it's not an honest discussion. Not at all. Not at all. Okay, if somebody were to take um, Maxine Waters' words, where she said, fight everywhere, you know, stop the bad guys. And when you're in a... Um, a restaurant or whatever else, you know, drum these people out. Conservatives don't belong anywhere. Now, I think a rhetoric was over the top and, and, and ill-advised for sure. But if somebody tomorrow takes Maxine Waters' words and goes to get that done, does that mean we put Maxine Waters in jail? See, I don't think so. The person that committed the crime is the only one guilty. How many people out of the hundreds of thousands that went to Washington peacefully to support President Trump and to advocate for honest elections in a true audit of election, those are the ones that I say, hey, they're the good guys. They're the ones that represent what Trump was advocating for. There are a few radicals who did something completely different. And shame on them for doing it. I'm not defending their position either. Don't you dare misunderstand me. I'm not defending the violent ones or the ones who took you know, authority where they ought not. But when Trump refuses to take blame... For attack, I completely agree. He did not advocate for any attack whatsoever. And to suggest otherwise is intellectually dishonest, to say the least. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? 
Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. So, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump should not take the blame for the riots that occurred. I'm sad that people went belligerent and attacked the Capitol. They were wrong in doing so. There's been a contingent of people in America that have been agitating for the next civil war for quite some time. We know who they are. Some of them are on the right. Some of them are on the left. They're both agitating and causing problems. President Trump in Charlottesville said there's bad guys and good guys on both sides. And boy, howdy, is that a true statement? He got absolutely slaughtered for that statement. I echo back to that on purpose to make a point. President Trump, you know, hey, there's bad guys and bad guys and good guys on the right and the left. And he's right. And that's the same here. The majority of the people that went to Washington on January the 6th were good, honest patriots who didn't want violence, who never intended for that. They wanted to pray for their country, pray for their leaders, and influence by their support, their peaceful support, those who may not be willing to look into an audit. We want to audit that election. And sadly, no one's talking about auditing the election, but they should be. Okay? I'm for the peaceful transfer of power, if legitimate. But you know what? We had time to dig into uh, the audit and find, or, I'm sorry, the election and find out through an audit if it was legitimate or if there was fraud. And we should have taken the time to do so. But what we did is we uh, literally had an insurrection in America. Before we find out who done it, we went and attacked President Trump and tried to lay the blame at his feet. Wrongly so. Trump refuses to take blame still for the attack. Amen, Trump. You're right. This is where you didn't stand up soon enough. I wish you would have, but I appreciate you standing up now, sir. You are not responsible for the violence that took place. We do need to find out who is responsible and prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. There's no doubt about that. But get a load of this. FBI claims are claiming armed protests are being planned in all 50 U.S. states, capitals. Now, they say including Washington, D.C., but I'm going to get rid of that because 
Washington, D.C. is not even close to a, a state capital. Washington, D.C. is not a state, ladies and gentlemen. Go read your constitution to find that out. I know they want to make it so, but it should not be. Nevertheless, if the FBI is credible about violence in every capital, all right, if the FBI is claiming, which they are, that there are protests, armed protests are being planned in all 50 U.S. state capitals, then we need to take action to make sure that those armed protests do not go anywhere. Let me be very clear on your radio. I am a thousand percent, 10,000. How do I articulate how much I'm against uh, going to all 50 state capitals with firearms at this point? It is ill-advised to say the least. I quadruple, ten tuple. I don't even know how to articulate against such an action because it will do nothing but incite further anger, hatred. And what it'll do is it'll mean government feels justified in taking away more of our liberties and more of our rights. We have no business going to the Capitol in armed conflict and or protest to any of the 50 state capitals. So I completely reject it if the FBI's evidence is accurate. However... I would want to dig into the evidence from the FBI and find out, is that really true? Do they really have credible evidence? And where are they getting that credible evidence? All right? Because I want to know how many of the people that were involved in the riots are now involved in these supposed 50 armed, you know, protests on the state capitals. Okay? How many people are associated between the two? That would be a very interesting study to find out. But let me just explain to you what the FBI is now saying about what happened in the U.S. state capitol on January the 6th. Here's the headline. FBI issued warning before capitol riots during a Justice Department briefing. Did you hear what I just said? FBI issued warning before capitol riots. They admitted or explained during a Justice Department briefing. Now, this guy named Dan Chuano said the information was shared within 40 minutes of the knowledge that they had with law enforcement partners. So after this briefing, within 40 minutes, it went to all law enforcement partners, including the Joint Terrorism Task Forces, which, by the way, includes the U.S. Capitol Police. Isn't that interesting? Right? Not That is the agency that led the failed response, folks. So the U.S. Capitol did, police did have a warning from the FBI saying, hey, this was going to go down. Now, let me make this even more clear. We were told right at the start that the cops didn't know in advance. That's why they weren't quite prepared. But they lie on multiple fronts. So we were told they didn't know, but yet the FBI told them. And so we were let for several days um, to believe that, you know what, they weren't really um, aware of anything credible threats and therefore they didn't beef up police and whatever now we find out not only did they know ahead of time because they were told by the fbi and we have that documented in a in a um, justice department what do they call this thing joint task force briefing or whatever you want to call it uh a justice department briefing okay that information was shared within 40 minutes they knew why were we led to believe and who in the media led us to believe that they didn't know in advance the same people that are telling you Trump supporters did it when they don't really know who did it because now the FBI is saying, listen, we're trying to track down those who done it. Right? 
So the dishonesty, uh, the fake news, the manipulation of the facts is on absolute steroids. But if I speak out on this, I'm the one to blame. If I say stop the steal, stop the steal of the electron that that guy marched through the Capitol with, then they'd be saying, oh, you can't say stop the steal, Sam. <laughs> oh, wow. I say stop the election steal, which we're not even focused on, which we should be absolutely 10 times more focused on now than before the riots. Not because uh, of the riots. The riots uh, need to deal with, be dealt with individually. Those who committed criminal acts need to be prosecuted. Uh, but we need to stand up and say, wait a minute. Do those riots act as a motive, as a cover for those who would not want us to laser-like focus on election results? Because now no one's focused on them. Isn't that an interesting debate? I say we need to double down. But the FBI knew and reported on the threat in the state capitol, and the threat was either not taken seriously or, listen up, or was intentionally ignored. Now, if you believe some of the testimony that I put on the radio, you would say that it was ignored because the cops were looking for a photo op because there was a cut in communications for the average citizen who was at the Capitol uh, because there was all kinds of mayhem. There wasn't the barricades. There wasn't the preparation. Why the lack of preparation? Why all that going down? Well, let me give you a couple of things that might provide some insight, okay? Not only did the FBI issue warnings for the Capitol rights during the Justice Department briefing. But I don't know if you know this yet, but one Capitol police officer was arrested. Two were suspended. And at least 10 are under investigation for their conduct during last week's Capitol riot. Does that, what do you say? Sound off alarm bells for you like it does for me. Okay. We're told Trump refuses to take blame for the attack. Then we're told the FBI claimed there was going to be a problem at the Capitol and it was ignored. Then we're told now that the FBI is telling you that there's going to be um, armed, you know, possible riots or whatever you want to say, armed protests at 50 state capitals. You better heed the warning. You better stand against it like I have. I've been very direct, very clear. I don't know how to be against it more. But now we find out that one Capitol police officer was arrested. Two were suspended and at least 10 are under investigation. For their conduct during last week's Capitol riot, that's 15 cops. Now, according to Representative Tim Ryan, he's a Democrat of Ohio. That's where we're getting this information. Uh, as well as Majority Leader Steny Hoyer told House Democrats on Monday that as many as 15 instances of officer misconduct are under investigation. So now you got 15 cops that are already under investigation. One of the suspended officers allegedly wore a Make America Great Again hat, according to these Democrats now. Listen up, according to these Democrats. And he joined the rioters who stormed the Capitol January 6th. While another one was videotaped taking selfies with what they call the mob, the rioters. The Capitol Police are looking at everybody involved that potentially facilitate on a big level and or on a small level in any way. And it's important that they're cracking down on that, Ryan told reporters on Monday. Ryan chairs the legislative branch subcommittee that oversees the U.S. Capitol Police. Now, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. 
So these are the people that are going to look into it with government, and they're going to look into it with this Capitol Police. These are the ones that failed us, but they're the ones that are going to look into the um, officers and their involvement. Isn't that like the fox in charge of the hen house, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit? Hey, the Capitol Police completely failed and didn't prepare, even though the FBI told them they better get ready because it's a coming. And then after they failed, now we're going to go ahead and have Democrats uh, lead the Capitol Police in an investigation about their own 15 cops that were, well, one was arrested and two were suspended. And, uh, well, up to 15 are under investigation for their part in the riots. Let me go on. Hang tight. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. In a vote of 223 to 205, the House of Representatives on Tuesday night approved a resolution calling on Vice President Pence to remove President Trump from office by invoking the 25th Amendment. Pence said on Tuesday that he will not invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office because it would set a terrible precedent. A Kansas woman was executed for strangling an expectant mother and removing a baby from her womb in 2004. It's the first time in nearly 70 years that the U.S. government has put to death a female inmate. 52-year-old Lisa Montgomery was pronounced dead early Wednesday morning after the Supreme Court rejected a stay of execution. The lethal injection was administered at a federal prison complex in Terre Haute, Indiana. The U.S. military's Joint Chiefs of Staff, the uniformed leaders of the military branches, on Tuesday put out a rare message to service members saying the violent riots last week were an assault on America's constitutional process and against the law. This is USA Radio News. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I've been taking vitamins off and on my whole adult life, and I've never seen any change. Not like this, not since I've been on Balance of Nature. I used to take prescription medication for uh, muscle aches and stuff. I don't take that anymore. I wish I would have started it back when I first heard about it on the radio. And if I can give Balance of Nature any advice, keep it out on the radio because I still hear these commercials from time to time, and I'm thinking, you know, you people need to listen up. I mean, I'm over 50, and, you know, your body starts wearing down. But Balance of Nature has literally changed my life. It really has. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. A National Football League quarterback will step in to become a guest host of the TV game show Jeopardy. USA Radio News' Dan Narocki explains. Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers says he'll be one of a series of guest hosts on Jeopardy. The show returned this week with former champion Ken Jennings as an interim host, with producers saying they were putting together a number of guest hosts to step in for Alex Trebek, who passed away from cancer in November. Rogers was a celebrity Jeopardy! champion in 2015 and said he's excited for the opportunity to work on a show he's felt a special connection to for so long. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. Longtime network news anchor Katie Couric has also been asked to take over the hosting reins of Jeopardy! for a week. Google-owned YouTube is the latest tech company to bar the president from posting online. YouTube said Tuesday it had suspended President Trump's channel over a concern about ongoing potential for violence. It's the latest move by one of the large tech companies to limit the president online. This is USA Radio News. 
promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow American Sam Bushman, breaking down a reality check, an indictment against the mainstream press and government and their dishonest, satanic lies. The truth shall set you free, my fellow Americans. All right, so let's be very, very direct and clear and summarize here for a minute for those who are just tuning in. USA Today says Trump refuses to take blame for attack. USA Today, President Trump shouldn't take the blame. I'm glad he's standing up finally. It took him a few days to get his feet under him, but good for him. Look, he's not responsible for another's transgression. Anybody who committed any violence and or uh, destruction of private property on the U.S. Capitol uh, needs to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. There's no doubt about it. However, Trump did not advocate for violence. Trump was not at the Capitol. Trump should not take the blame and is not guilty of anything. And this complete takedown of President Trump by big tech is completely a violation of the First Amendment, to say the least, ladies and gentlemen. We better not let that go unchecked or we're going to wish we had stood up while we had the chance. Nevertheless, I digress, except to say, then their narrative has been dishonest. They claim it's Trump supporters, Trump supporters all the way through that have caused this violence and these problems, but they lie. Now the FBI claiming armed protests are being planned in all 50 U.S. state capitals. If that's true, we better step it up. We also better dig into the FBI and find out if that statement is credible or if that's being used as a dishonest ploy uh, to uh, not have the people peacefully assemble, you see. Now, you would say, well, Sam, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, what about Fauci, who told us we didn't need masks? And then he admitted later he lied, and he said, I just didn't want all the American people to go out and get a mask when the medical personnel needed them. So I said we didn't need masks because I couldn't trust the people to deal with the truth. And so I had to lie and say they didn't need masks even though they did. And uh, therefore, you know, I had to protect the medical personnel from the people who would panic and, and get out of control. So I had to lie. Now, it brings into question credibility for Fauci, right? However, the point is the same here. Are they saying that, oh, man, people are going to have armed um, protests at every state capital, all 50 state capitals, and then adding Washington, D.C. to the mix? Is that evidence credible, or is that a design by the FBI to lie, to protect the people from themselves, to say, by golly, we, we just don't want you to go to the 50 capitals armed, and so let's um, kind of throw out this threat and make you believe that you better not be there. And so it's kind of a, an assault on your First Amendment, collectively speaking, and saying, hey, let's try to back the people off uh, because of the threat of violence, etc." Now, I stand completely against violence, but here's the point. The FBI not only issued a warning about all 50 state capitals, but they issued a warning before D.C. FBI issued a warning before Capitol riots in a Justice Department briefing, and that was released to the U.S. Capitol Police. They claimed they didn't know for days, but they got caught lying. They did know. Now it turns out that one Capitol Police officer was arrested. Two were suspended and at least 10 are under investigation, up to 15, according to the Democrats. And they said, hey, one took a Make America Great Again hat and put it on and helped the rioters. Uh, another one was taking selfie with the rioters. And then they say, we are investigating the actions to know exactly what the police officers did. We're going to investigate these behaviors for disciplinary action up to and including termination if necessary. Several U.S. CP officers, that's U.S. Capitol Police officers, um, have already been suspended pending the outcome of the investigations, said Acting Police Chief uh, 
how do you say this name? Yagananda Pittman. All right. The mob ransacked the Capitol and five people died, including Capitol Police Officer Brian Signick. Nearly 100 people have been arrested. And at least 25 people are now under investigation for charges of terrorism. Now, 25 people for terrorism, only 100 people arrested so far. You guys have been making it for the last week sound like there were thousands that overtook the Capitol. But man, it was just crazy mayhem. But if you've only got 25 people, let's lay out the 25 names. Let's dig into who they are. Are they Antifa? Are they Black Lives Matter? Are they tied in with George Soros? Where do they get their funding? Are they people that have been involved in the riots that have been taking place in Seattle, Washington, and Chicago, and other places across the country? Who are these people? Who are these 25? So don't get me wrong. There's no doubt there's 25 people or 50 or 100. I don't know how many people, 200 maybe, that were literally criminals, and they should be prosecuted, no doubt about it. But let's not pretend that Trump is to blame for that. Trump was not even at the U.S. Capitol, right? Now, it gets worse because not only did the FBI issue a warning in advance and gave it to the Capitol Police, but it turned out the Capitol Police were involved, at least 15 of them or so, maybe more they need to investigate, right, were involved in some ways. So some of them were taking selfies with the rioters. Some of them were um, wearing Make America Great Again hats, so they may or may not be Trump supporters. But listen to this. Then they say this. We're still investigating. We don't really know yet. We're digging into it, okay? But then they have a definitive that they do know. And this just proves that they're lying. Here it is. But they don't have any evidence that members of the department had cooperated with rioters in an inside job. So let me get this straight, ladies and gentlemen. If you can believe the lies of these thugs, okay, this is where the dishonesty is just so blatant and so easy to see. It's not even funny. We've got a cop wearing a Make America Great Again hat. We've got cops literally dancing with and partying with and hanging out with the rioters, taking selfies and everything else. We've got cops and their actions, uh, you know, who knows about them. And now we say, but there's no evidence that they helped or let people in or it was an inside job or they cooperated in any way. How do we know that? If we're investigating these cops, they're on suspension or one's got arrested, a couple of them are, okay, and we're investigating these cops and what their actions were and were not, and we might, you know, prosecute them, we might suspend them, we might terminate them. We don't know yet. We're digging into the details. And, but we know one was wearing a Make America Great Again hat, and we know several others were involved with the, the rioters. And, and, and Okay, how do we know that they weren't participating or creating an inside job scenario or allowing something to happen? We don't. And if we do, what is the investigation about if we know all the details? If we know it was all Trump supporters, for sure, although we don't know where all the guys, the people that done it are yet, there now, but they're all Trump supporters for sure. And then we say, but the cops were involved to the point where 15 get suspended as we investigate, but it wasn't an inside job. We're positive of that there. How do they know these things? See, this is where they're just dishonest as all get out in their delivery. Okay? It's just dishonest. The FBI issued warning before Capitol riots. The Capitol cops were told. The Capitol cops did nothing to prepare, and they failed. And then now we find out a bunch of cops were involved in various ways. 
They're all under investigation. But we know they weren't part of an inside job. We know they didn't help the rioter. How do they know that? Okay, one Capitol Police officer was arrested. Two were suspended. And at least 10 are under investigation. What does at least 10 mean? I don't know, Sam. It means more than 10 somehow, by golly. How do you know? And how do you know it was an inside job or that they didn't participate? You don't know. And to suggest you do know this early in the investigation really is to taint the investigation. Because if you make a statement saying, well, they were not involved, now you either have to admit they were involved and you were wrong or you lied or say we're not going to go there. How dumb am I there? Crazy. All right. So while that's going on, we've got a very short window from the 6th to the 20th when President Trump is supposed to peacefully turn over power to Joe Biden. But when the election fraud discussion is still on the table, because remember, out of this, Congress doubled down, didn't debate, didn't get the chance to vote whether we should extend um, or give time for an audit or an election. Okay. We never voted on any of those things. We never had appropriate debate. We never got a chance to release the Kraken or get the information on the table. We never had that. We were never afforded that opportunity. See? But time flies. So what you're going to find out is after the peaceful transfer of power from, quote, President Donald Trump to, in my opinion, dishonest Joe being placed in there by his cronies in a secret combination with election fraud at the center of it. See, am I allowed to say that? Okay, because of the steal, they won't let me say stop the steal. That'd be against the law there now. It'd take me off everything if I said stop the steal. Uh, Because of the steal, they, what, inaugurate, coronate, (laughs) Joe? Then um, it'll be too late and we find out, oh, well, the cops were involved. It was an inside job or whatever the case may be. Then what? Can you overturn the election? Can you take back and say, wait a minute now, let's have Congress look at the certifications of the 50 states and let's have Congress decide if they want to put it on hold and have a true audit of the election. Will all those things be possible or will it be, quote, too late? Big tech dishonestly jumping into the mix. All right. Rush Limbaugh said Titans of tech are now running America. Says that Congress sold out for search results that are good and campaign donations, Bob Unra. But let's talk about it. Will it be too late? Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q, The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205 672 2000. 
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. So the dishonesty from the mainstream press and government is probably the greatest proof we have that the Capitol event was a false flag operation, ladies and gentlemen. They're literally telling you that over 15 Capitol Police officers were involved somehow and are suspended and or arrested and or under investigation for their actions relating to, but we can tell you for sure that it was not an inside job and there's no evidence. All right, we had a discussion with Larry Pratt about liberty yesterday and we talked about a false flag at the Capitol. Breaking was a major covert operation. It was a staged event with intentional chaos resulting to blame it on President Donald Trump. All right, they had pictures on Twitter that had ropes as nooses and everything else to suggest that the riot on Capitol Hill was just crazy town. But federal prosecutors tried to blame it on Trump at first, and now they've backed off their suggestion that President Trump could be investigated for citing the violence. Okay, so now the mainstream press saying Donald won't take the blame. Well, of course he won't, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't do it. He wasn't even at the Capitol. Federal prosecutors have even backed off the suggestion. That President Trump could even be investigated for inciting the violence uh, or being involved in the violence or being responsible for or taking the blame for the violence, right? Dominion Voting Systems filed a $1.3 billion lawsuit against Sidney Powell. But Sidney Powell never even got the chance to release her evidence. Facebook announced that it was banning all content that mentions the phrase, stop the steal. Can I then change it to the phrase, because of the steal? Biden's going to take power? Will it be too late to stop him then? The FBI released an internal bulletin claiming that they knew in advance about the Capitol riots and problems. Why didn't police stand up and stop it? Now there's criminal evidence, the FBI claims. I'd like to see the details of that evidence. uh, That, you know what? There's supposed to be armed protests at all 50 state capitals, adding Washington, D.C., I pray not, I stand against it. But we talked with Tim Starks last, or yesterday as well, well-known computer security expert about big tech. Parler sues Amazon for antitrust violations, breach of contract. Hopefully Parler can get up on its feet ASAP. Laura Loomer and Larry Clayman take big tech discrimination case to the Supreme Court. Barack Obama, believe it or not, insisted without government spending Google, Facebook, big tech would not even exist. That's what I've been telling you forever. Now Obama admits it. Social media is a tool of the CIA. 
Seriously, CBS News wrote that in 2011. Tools of the CIA, LewRockwell.com, further doubles down and documents the reality check that I point to. CIA publishes a helpful list of press releases on all the social media that it ventures and sponsors via its technology arm, Incutel. Did the CIA ban? Did the CIA ban Trump and Twitter from Facebook, Google, Amazon, and now YouTube? We even talked about Willie Brown. <laughs> Talking about Kamala Harris. We dated, I influenced. Yeah. USA Today, are those five folks going to get arrested? Now the World Health Organization predicting a far worse pandemic. Dr. Mike Ryan, executive director, uh, who leads the World Health Organization emergency program, states, hey, this was pretty bad because of the COVID, but you know what? We haven't hit the big one yet. It's going to get worse. He's basically intimating. Mask mandates have always been about one thing, government control. Sure, politicians are vir- will virtue signal and will go ahead and wear a mask in public, but the second they know that the public ain't watching, they yank that sucker off because they know they don't do any good. It turns out there's absolutely no evidence that mask mandates work to slow the spread. It's a fact, folks, but yet we continue to let them have their way with us, dishonestly articulate masks and vaccines and what happened at the Capitol. Right. I'm not digressing, except to make the point that we can't trust them. We, they lie. Now, believe it or not, while we know that over 15 Capitol Police officers were involved in ways that are being investigated, they know that there was no inside job or they weren't involved to the point of helping the um, what rioters. OK, how do we know that? I just don't get it. But now Twitter has purged over 70,000 accounts from its platform for supposedly sharing Harmful QAnon-associated content. What's harmful QAnon-associated content? Because I got a question for you, ladies and gentlemen, a critical, vital question for you. You ready for it? All right. What if QAnon's right? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't trust QAnon. I've warned you not to trust QAnon. I've warned you not to dip your toe in the crypto. I've warned you about some of these false flag operations over and over and over. Beware. Stand tall for liberty. Don't be deceived, okay? But I bring this up because QAnon may be wrong on most things, and it might be right on some things. And what if there's a QAnon release or a fact about that QAnon releases that turns out to be accurate? Then are they going to suspend my account because I um, share harmful QAnon-associated information? What if it's true? Let me ask you a question. What if QAnon says we can prove Capitol Police were in on the thing? It was an inside job, and they were in bed with Antifa and, and Black Lives Matter and George Soros and, and all the ne'er-do-wells, right? And we can prove it, and QAnon releases a little tidbit of that. Now, if I bring that up, is it untouchable? Am I going to get suspended because I bring that up even though it turns out to be accurate or true or right? See, I can have my free speech rights and my beliefs even if others believe my views are wrong. And I can get information wherever I want to. When you look at the First Amendment, it doesn't say Sam has the right to free speech as long as he says what the regime wants him to say. It doesn't say Sam has his right to free speech as long as he's telling the truth according to the, quote, ministry of truth, right? It doesn't say those things. It says that I have the right to free speech in my opinion and freedom of religion and freedom to peacefully assemble and I can say and think and believe in and do what I want as long as I'm not violating the law, then I'm free to be uh, to, to move about the cabin, if you will, right? 
And that's where we are today. Why is Twitter and Facebook thinking they can literally suspend 70,000 accounts on this idea that, man, I might be spewing harmful QAnon stuff? What does harmful mean? They're not debating if it's true information from QAnon or not. They're saying Twitter has purged over 70,000 accounts from its platform for sharing harmful QAnon-associated content. Now, is it harmful if it turns out that Joe Biden and his minions did commit vote fraud? And then I were to document that and QAnon mentions the same fact that I do. Now, is it untouchable and I can't bring it up because it's harmful? What does harmful mean? Who determines harmful? See, I think it's harmful when a couple of hundred people go into the Capitol building and commit mischief, which is wrong. But then to blame that on all Trump supporters, to blame that on the president of the United States who was not even there. Do you see the quantum leap that we've taken, folks? It is couched in dishonesty and manipulation of the mind of the public, collectively speaking. This idea that, by golly, Trump, man, you know, he should have never said we want an audit of the elections. How dare him? He should have never said peacefully go to the Capitol and help those members of Congress who are weak to be strong. By golly, that was his first mistake. Right? But you know they've been attacking President Trump since the very beginning, right? Right? You know that. So how do we trust them now? How do we, does Donald Trump have the right to his own free speech? What if President Trump truly believes that there's election fraud? Is he allowed to speak freely about that belief? You can say it's a lie. There's no evidence. You can say anything you want. But does President Trump, and then bring it on down to Joe Blow, me, Sam Bushman, and everybody else in between, do we have the right to think what we want and believe what we want? If I believe we need to stop the steal because I believe that the election is being stolen, do I have a right to say that? Not in big tech. I don't, right? Now YouTube's suspending Trump's channel. All right, now the House is going to impeach Trump for the second time. Okay, Trump rejected the uh, 25th Amendment push. He won't use it against President Trump. In my opinion, good for Pence for not doing that. Shame on Pence for not standing up. But they're literally taking over our society and remaking our society, ladies and gentlemen. They really are in a very evil, satanic way. YouTube is suspending Donald Trump's channel because they're fearful that violence will erupt. So if they can do that, when does it end? Anytime they don't like a narrative of somebody else, they can say, by golly, that could lead to violence now. Sam Bushman, you know, bringing up them founding fathers. They were violent. Look, they had a violent revolution for crying out loud. Sam's quoting them founding fathers over and over and over like he does. And, man, he's inciting violence with that. Never mind the fact that I introduce every show every hour saying we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. President Trump for four plus years has been the law and order president. Look, we can't have these riots. When they were rioting in Seattle, President Trump was like, hey, we got to bring in the, the, you know, the people to stop this. Shame on the mayors and others for allowing this to go on and going along with it and making it seem like it was okay. Shame on them. We got to stop this. President Trump has been the peaceful guy forever. Right? 
Now the CDC is going to require all air travelers to the United States to show negative coronavirus test. And you can say, well, that's good, Sam. We don't want the cocoa in America, by golly. Stop them people coming over here and bringing the cocoa with them from China and everywhere, you know. But here's the problem with that kind of an idea, folks. Pretty soon they'll say all travelers. Right now, CDC require all air travelers to the U.S. But how long will it be when the CDC says not all air travelers to the U.S., but all travelers, period? If they have the authority to do one, they eventually have the authority to back into the other. Do you understand? And then pretty soon it'll be, well, not only do you got to have a coronavirus negative test, you got to have a vaccine, man. Right? This is crazy town, folks. Now, folks, when you say charges facing the president, what are they? Inciting an insurrection? That's the charge of the impeachment. Inciting an insurrection. What does that mean? What does that mean? That's very concerning. Charges facing the president. Inciting an insurrection. What does that mean? Well, Sam, what's the insurrection? Okay, they're not going to be able to make this stick. They might be able to vote and impeach President Trump over it because they don't have the bar of true prosecutorial authority. But ladies and gentlemen, this is a disaster. Impeachment 2.0. Does it make sense? It's already January the 13th on the 20th. Literally a week from today, ladies and gentlemen. President Trump will not be in office. Is it worth trying to impeach the president? Is it really worth impeachment 2.0? I think not. Wow. All right, one hour in the can. I'm telling you right now, the mainstream press in bed with government The dishonesty, the fake news, the manipulation of the mind of the public, collectively speaking, is at an all-time high. And we better step back, pray to God, humble ourselves, and peacefully advocate for our God-given inalienable rights, or we will lose them. This is Liberty Roundtable. God save the republic. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that networks refuse to use. No doubt continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January the 13th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two. We finished last hour talking about impeachment 2.0 happening today, baby. Our goal to promote God, family, and country and to protect life, liberty, and property. We use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, for our guide. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration. But impeachment 2.0 charges facing the president, quote, inciting insurrection. 
That's a pretty high bar to prove, ladies and gentlemen. They might impeach on it because all they got to do is get a bunch of partisan bureaucrats to say yes. But the truth is the bar for such is much higher. And I submit to you that if Congress impeaches Donald Trump on this or the House, it will be shown as one of the most partisan abuses of power ever. Because even the experts, the prosecution says we can't even investigate or consider trying President Trump on inciting violence. We don't have enough evidence. Why don't they? Because President Trump did not incite violence, and they know it. But this is their chance to try to, uh, in my opinion, destroy the legacy of President Trump. This is the chance to try to get beyond election uh, fiascos so that if Sidney Powell or anybody else ever gets proof of election fraud, it'll just be too late. Right? Twitter has already purged over 70,000 accounts. They're suspending President Trump's YouTube account, supposedly because of the violence. The violence that only a few people committed, and we all condemn that violence. Nevertheless, there you have it. So our prayers are with President Trump, but he'll probably be impeached today by the House. Of course, nothing will happen in the Senate. Uh, But there you have it. So it's dishonest as all get out, to say the least. It's just a shame. All right, well, that's going on. Folks are pushing for the Black National Anthem. It's called Lift Every Voice and Sing. They say it could become the national hymn, USA Today. Really? Are you familiar with the Black National Anthem? You want to hear it? Let's listen to it and talk about the words in it. I find that interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, they're trying to sing this hymn, and they're trying to get you to embrace this hymn as the, quote, national hymn of America. I I joke not. They want it to be right up there with a star-spangled banner, baby. And they believe that it will help heal the country. Now, I submit to you, if you make the black national anthem, lift every voice and sing and make that the national hymn, according to the USA Today, and some congressmen and senators who are trying to make this happen, I submit to you that you will divide the nation and force race in the middle of our republic in a way that will not be helpful. You say, why, Sam? What are you talking about? It's the lyrics that I think are an issue. But what they want us to do is discuss the lyrics of this national hymn, and they want us to discuss the lyrics of the national, 
I'm sorry, the Star Spangled Banner, right? And then what they want to do is get us to believe that uh, the two are the same. I don't know if you know, but this hymn came out in, what, 1900? This uh, James Wilden Johnson, Lift Every Voice and Sing Lyrics. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. That's fine, right? Sing a song full of faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the president has brought us. I assume referring to Abraham Lincoln, right? Facing the rising sun of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. Stony the road we trod. Bitter the chastening rod. Felt in the day that hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat have not our weary feet come to the place on which our fathers sighed. We have come far over a way with tears that have been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Out from the gloomy past till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our star is cast. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray, lest our feet stray from the places that are God where we met thee, least lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee, shadowed beneath the hand. May we forever stand, true to our God, true to our native land. I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, what I mean is it's it's not necessarily a bad lyric, per se. But I don't know really when we talk about our dark past, um, when we talk about our, you know, Full of faith that the dark past has taught us. Full of the hope that our president has brought us. Uh, let us march on till victory's won. <clears throat> you got to be kind of very careful. Because they talk about, the, with tears that have been watered, we have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Um. I understand the view. I understand the negative history that they're referring to. But I think to bring that history up in modern times in a in a way that doesn't get past it is the problem. Okay? In other words, if you say we realize there's some, uh, you know what, things we're not proud of in America, slavery, the way we treated Indians and other things, the way we treated the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nicknamed the Mormons, I get it. And I feel bad about that past as well. I wasn't responsible for it. I don't own it. And I'm not going to be guilty of another's actions. I'm not responsible for Adam's or the Founding Fathers' transgressions. So don't blame it on me. I don't know any reparations. I don't know any um, evil to it. 
I'm not responsible for it. We need to try to get over it. So if we want to look forward to the future in solidarity, fine. But to look to the past and talk about, you know, the blood that we've kind of had to trod through, or whatever, it seems to me if you're not very careful what you're going to do is you're going to make this the national anthem, and then you're going to say reparations, reparations, reparations will be the next chant. Black national anthem, lift every voice and sing, and money must you bring will be the chant. And I submit to you that will basically launch race division in America like you have never seen before. Okay? Mark my words. Write it down. Remember who warns you. It's not that I'm against the blacks. It's not that I'm against a, a, a him or their him. It's that I know they will use this to try to drive a wedge regarding slavery of yesteryear. And they will basically try to blame it on the way, the whites and say somehow you're evil uh, you need to create retribution, or there needs to be retribution for your hostile action of yesteryear, and there needs to be uh, reparations and everything else relating to it. That's the part I'm rejecting. <clears throat> At first, it's lift every voice and sing, and then it'll be to make amends the money you must bring. That's the problem with it becoming the national hymn, is it isn't about equality. It isn't about uh <clears throat> Honoring our past, it's about exploiting our past, it's about bringing our past up in ways that create division, in ways that promote anger and frustration. I don't believe it will be healing at all if this is pushed into the mainstream of America. I understand the hymn, I understand its lyrics, I know when it came out, I understand the references, but I believe if you force this, uh, either by congressional, um, I don't know what you call it, um, some kind of a vote to support it, a statement or a whatever, what, what's that called, then you will create a problem. Because where will the next efforts go? It won't be thank you for the national hymn. Uh, I'm glad that we realize how wronged blacks have been. Um, wow. Thank you. We're done. It will be the next step. I think we need to look forward with faith and healing in America and not exploit our past. Some of it is dark and sad. But I got an idea. Even more so abused than the blacks and the um, Indians were the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They were the only ones that had an extermination order against them, right? So maybe we ought to Dig up the past. I'll do it in a second. One thing 2020 has made crystal clear. For liberty lovers, hope lies where it always has, in our own hands. So join us at Liberty Hall on Saturday, January 16th for a preparedness fair. With speakers on topics from health to food growing, prepping supplies, first aid, self-reliance, and more. 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Saturday, January 16th. Go to lovingliberty.net. That's lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. How many times do I have to tell you? 
I swear, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Don't you understand English? Your children are probably too polite to tell you. Hello, those things on the side of your head aren't turnips. But they get just as frustrated when you won't listen to them as you do when they won't listen to you. Do I need to speak slower? In fact, few things show children how much they're valued and respected more than a parent's willingness to listen. Tell me what she did at work today. Studies show when parents listen, children develop better listening skills themselves. They also tend to have more self-confidence and are more likely to avoid alcohol and drugs. Now sit down here and tell me all about it. When you really listen, love is what they'll hear. Thank you for sharing that with me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, so nobody's been abused more than the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nicknamed the Mormons in America. Remember, America was founded on this idea to protect religious liberty, right? Oh, isn't that what's in question right now? Religious liberty, freedom of speech. And Wow, you can go to a bar and strip club, but you can't go to church, right? Okay, wow, is it interesting how history repeats itself. Nevertheless, I digress, except to say, hey, if we're going to have the black hymn, black national anthem, lift every voice and consider it to become the national hymn, should come, come ye saints, become the national hymn, question mark? I don't think so, but I'm making a point, right? Let's talk about the lyrics of come, come ye saints. That's a Mormon hymn, if you will, or a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints hymn. They sang that on the plains. When Governor Boggs kicked the Mormons out of Jackson County, Missouri, uh, it was done on a uh, executive order by the governor, Governor Boggs, and uh, it was an extermination order against men, women, and children. I don't know that any group has had that happen to them. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting we go to the past. I think the wrongs of the past to the Indians, to the blacks, to the, to the Mormons, to many other groups have been wrong. And we should look forward with faith to never repeat them. But we should look forward in a united way, not a divisionary way. But listen to the lyrics of Come, Come, You Saints. Come, come, you saints. No toiler, no toil, nor labor fear. But with joy, wend your way. Though hard to you this journey may appear, grace shall be your day. All right. Now, I could go on and tell you more of the lyrics that were written by William Clayton, right? But I won't. If you want to go research and read the lyrics yourself, you can. Tis better for us to strive, tis useless cares. From us to drive. Do this and enjoy your heart will swell. All is well. All is well. We can go on and on, but I won't. I'm not really trying to bring up Mormon doctrine. What I'm trying to get at is, do we have to uh, 
I'm trying to think how to put it. How do we make every wrong in the past right? Is it best to create reparations? All the Mormons would get plenty of it. Is it best to bring up the past and argue about it forever and say how wrong we were and say we're a victimized people for generations to come? See, I don't think so. Whether it be the blacks or the Indians or the Native Americans or whatever term you want to call them, uh, or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, fine. I think we need to look forward with faith and hope. I think we need to look to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, and uh, be of good cheer. So I'm not in any way suggesting that the National Anthem should become Come You Saints. Or the National Hymn. Sorry. But the Black National Anthem should not become the National Hymn, and neither should Come Come You Saints, written by William Clayton. Right? I don't think it should be the National Hymn either. I say that tongue-in-cheek to illustrate a point. The members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints aren't out rioting and asking for retribution and, and, and um, uh, reparations and all these different things. They're not. And they shouldn't be. The past, let's leave it in the past. And let's look forward to the future and understand the past in such a way to never repeat the ills, the wrongs, the evils of the past. But let's go forward in faith. Let's go forward in hope. Let's embrace the cause of liberty for all. This is something we can do, ladies and gentlemen. Now, should I get out the Come Come You Saints and play it? Should I do that? Should I spend time there? Or should I focus on that even Ron Paul is being banned by Facebook now? Dear Sam, says Ron Paul, in the latest swift move towards censorship of dissenting opinions, Facebook locked Ron Paul out of his account without any warning, without any truthful explanation. I was not able to post anything to the official Ron Paul page, which I've had since 2007, Ron says. In 13 plus years, we've never had an issue from our content on Facebook. I think it's time these platforms have a reckoning with reality. After a huge outcry by our supporters, Facebook reversed their decision to ban me from posting and now says it was all a big mistake. Sam, I'm not exactly buying their explanation, says Ron Paul. I'm worried that we may be taken offline by any one of the tech platforms that we rely on. Remember, they have the ability to bring operations to a standstill until we find alternatives. It seems like Facebook is testing to see just how far they can go with banning anyone who doesn't tow the establishment line. Of course, we're not the only target and certainly not the first. We watched as President Trump has been uh, deplatformed is, I guess, a new word, right? 
we watched as President Trump has been deplatformed by more than a dozen tech companies just within the last week, and it looks very much like it's a coordinated effort. This is unprecedented, says Ron Paul, and boy, howdy, is he right. It's time to send a message to Congress that we're fed up with the big tech bullies who have benefited greatly from very favorable treatment in Washington. Sign the petition and the cronyism that allows these companies to prosper while destroying their competition. The argument that the big tech companies are private and can do whatever they want is a complete lie. That has been used to excuse their political decision-making to ban and to allow the prevention of posting of certain materials. But these aren't just any private companies. Let's not forget that the government provided advantages that Facebook enjoys that their competition does not. In fact, big tech has been given tens of billions of dollars of taxpayers provided sweetheart deals. Wow. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Good Jobs First, which tracks subsidies, shows that 2015 forward Facebook has received at least $373 million plus dollars in state government grants, just like we told you yesterday with Tim Starks. During that same time, Facebook received over $150 million from Utah alone and over $148 million from Texas. In fact, in Texas, in 2010, Governor Rick Perry paid out state money in the amount of $1,400,000 to Facebook. Facebook has benefited greatly because of this kind of favoritism and because of their protection by the federal government under the Communications Decency Act Section 230. They have certainly abused this protection. It's time for them to feel the pain and the heat from Congress immediately. Sign the petition now. Then, you know, donate. Okay, now. Here's the problem. I appreciate Ron Paul bringing that up, and he's absolutely right. Except for my opinion that when you say he's exactly right, I don't believe Congress can do anything about it. Congress has funded this whole thing, right? Um, Congress has literally funded this over the last many decades. Some of it known to Congress, uh, but from the states, from Congress, from the universities. Okay, some of it's dark op military money. So Ron Paul says big tech has been given tens of millions or billions of taxpayer dollars and provided sweetheart deals. That's all true. But I don't think Congress can stop big tech now. We the people could if we'd get together. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. 
USA Radio News with Lance Pry. The House in its slim margin Tuesday voted to ask Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove President Trump days before his term ends. Referring to Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Pence said, when you introduced legislation to create a 25th Amendment commission, you said President's fitness for office must be determined by science and facts. You said that we must be very respectful of not making a judgment on the basis of a comment or behavior we don't like, but based on a medical decision. Madam Speaker, you are right. End quote. Vice President Pence will not invoke the 25th Amendment. Several Michigan officials have been told they will be charged in connection with the Flint water crisis, which saw lead-contaminated water cause a Legionnaire's disease outbreak, hair loss, and other complications from lead poisoning. It was not clear what specific charges will be leveled on former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder, his health director, Nick Lyon, and other administration officials. Defense lawyers have been notified and were told to expect initial court appearances soon. USA Radio News. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so cool. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. As the House weighs in on impeaching President Trump Wednesday for the Capitol riots last week, Trump supporters say the movement he started is here to stay. Andy Biggs, the Republican from Arizona on the House Judiciary Committee, weighs in on Fox News. We saw that in the number of House seats that were won. We saw that um, in state and local government races that were held up and down these tickets. We just saw at the top of the ticket um, with President Trump uh, there was a problem. And so... I think that the movement is going to be strong. I mean, it's everything from no more wars. It's for a robust economy, fewer taxes. It's for um, protecting our border. All the things that President Trump was able to do facing the, the winds of the left stream media, as well as some of our colleagues within our own conference, as well as the Democrats, he was able to get a lot of things done that the base loves and wants. And I think it's going to continue. And, and I think that this notion that if you cut off the head, the rest of the body is going to die in this case is utterly false. USA Radio News. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman breaking it down just for you. News that I refuse to use always on tap six days a week. On the Sabbath, we rest, as the good Lord asked us to do, ladies and gentlemen. Ron Paul, big tech, has been given tens of billions of dollars in taxpayer-provided sweetheart deals from state governments on down. No doubt that's the truth. And Ron Paul's asking people to sign a petition to get to the bottom of it, if you will, and to say, hey, you know what? They can't be doing this. They can't be shutting everybody down and doing all this stuff. And I understand and agree with Ron Paul, but I don't believe a petition will do any good, but I signed it nevertheless. You say, Sam, boy, are you negative, you know? Um, but I don't believe I'm being negative. I believe I'm being truthful. 
we have got to go beyond a petition. Okay, I appreciate a petition, and I'm willing to sign one. But if we don't back it up with something, what are we going to do? Look, Congress has already had hearings on big tech forever and a day. And, you know, when it, whenever you hear it in the news, they're like, oh, man, you know, uh, Congress, so-and-so congressman or so-and-such senator, uh, by golly, they they just took down old Mark Zuckerberg there and, or, you know, whoever, Jack Dorsey or whatever the case may be. Oh, they ripped him apart in Congress. Did you see that? Holy moly, man, they were asking hard questions and beating him up. I don't think so. Congress funded this stuff. With military funding, with university funding, they built big tech, ladies and gentlemen. Big tech has been built by government in bed with universities, in bed with big tech titans, in bed with the military. And if you don't believe me, it's documentable 66 ways from Sunday. Before other people were talking about that Congress had funded and big money had gone in from the taxpayers to build Facebook, Google, and Twitter. I was the one saying that. Everyone said, oh, where's the proof of that, Sam? And now there's plenty of proof. Just go look around. So I appreciate a petition, and I'll sign one. But I believe we better go further. Now, Larry Clayman and Laura Loomer, they are suing. But I got a question. You might get a hold of Sidney Powell or others and say, hey, do you think the courts will do justice for Larry Clayman there now? See, sadly, I don't have a lot of faith in the courts anymore. They're not even willing to hear when there's vote fraud affecting everyone in the nation. They're not even willing to hear it. They won't even discuss it. They just simply say you don't have standing or based on this technicality, we're tossing out. We're not even going to look at the merits of the case or the evidence. And now we want to go to the courts for a redress of grievances on another topic. Good luck. So I appreciate the petition and I appreciate the court challenge. But what else can we do, people? And I'll give you an example what we could do. You could take down Twitter in an instant. You don't believe me? The headline says Twitter has purged over 70,000 accounts from its platform for sharing harmful QAnon-associated content. Now, what if every American in the country literally jettisoned Twitter tomorrow? Twitter would be done, folks. Twitter would become a non-factor in your life, wouldn't it? You say to me, Sam, that's a pie-in-the-sky idea. You know, you always have these, you know, you're kind of Pollyanna. You're kind of a Peter Pan little kid. It's not that simple. It won't work. I agree. But it's kind of like the homeschool option or the private school option, ladies and gentlemen. I know the masses aren't going to do it. They never will. They'll let their kids be abused in government school uh, and then complain, but yet keep their kids in the same school that abuses them with sexual content, with communist content. I can go on and on and on. Uh, And the masses won't pull their kids out of school, but a few will. And that's the same with this Twitter thing. Rush Limbaugh shut down, what, his Facebook account or his Twitter account? I can't remember which. I'll have to look it up. Right? To be in solidarity with the president. And you can say that doesn't matter. I agree. It's largely symbolic. But it does, in my opinion, highlight an important point. Right? Um, A critical point 
um, which is we can make a difference. Change happens one at a time, family by family, individual by individual. Did Rushlima deactivate his Twitter account? Yes. Right? But if we stood up enough, MSN says Rush Limbaugh deactivated accounts. So Rush Limbaugh leaves Twitter and Facebook on his own. Is that true? Don't know. Rush Limbaugh deactivates Twitter account. But the question becomes, what if enough Americans did it? It would become more than symbolic. It would become a mandate for Twitter and Facebook. You better stop abusing us. Or we'll simply render you irrelevant in our society. And you could say that won't happen, Sam. That's a great idea, but it'll never happen. I know. Doesn't change the fact that it's the right thing to do. It might never happen that America returns to God, but I can still advocate for that cause. Me and good old Jonah can advocate for that cause. It's easy to want to run away. Jonah tried that. That didn't work out well, did it? So we can move forward in a monumental way and stand up for what is right and good and honorable uh, no matter what. And that's what we should do. All right, big tech has been given tens of billions of dollars to be used against us. And boy, have they done it. They've created a tyrannical, the tyranny net is what it's called, the tyrannet. Right? Uh, but they lie, lie, lie. And it's up to the American people to decide where they're going to get their news from. It's up to the American people to decide what they're going to fund, what they're going to spend their time on. Will it be I got to keep my Twitter account and my Facebook account and I got to focus on that? Or will it be that I'm going to let the new media take center stage and fund and support new media? LovingLiberty.net, please donate generously. Every penny will be used to grow our presence in the media and tell the tale of liberty. Every penny will be used to right the wrongs, to take back the narrative, to stand for the truth. We don't have a narrative except for God, family, and country, and life, liberty, and property. That's our narrative. That's our talking points. That's who we are. We don't have a narrative or an agenda except to say our goal is to pull down power. We don't seek for it. We seek to pull it down. Our goal is to use the checks and balances in the greatest document uh, to become the supreme law of the land of the greatest country on the face of the earth. We want to use that document. We want to use the checks and balances codified therein to bring about a great, peaceful restoration. That's who we are and what we're about. And if you are like-minded, donate liberally today. LovingLiberty.net. Now, I signed the petition for Ron Paul. I'm supporting the Larry Clayman uh, lawsuit, the Lori Loomer lawsuit, because I want everybody to do everything they can. I don't mean to down their efforts. I just don't have a lot of faith in their efforts. But I'm willing to help with them regardless. All right, but we get a headline now that says this. U.S. hospitals are pushed to the brink as COVID-19 persists. Now, here's the problem. Do you believe this, folks? See, this is the mainstream press article that articulates this. Hey, a general statement. U.S. hospitals are pushed to the brink as COVID-19 persists. Now, I don't really believe the headline. Do you? Now, I do believe there's some hospitals that are pushed to the brink. And I think it's sad that they are. But you know what? When we ignore the real solutions, it's hard for me to get behind this 
tear in my beer about hospitals pushed to the brink. Right? Because they made you believe that hospitals were pushed to the brink back in the beginning of the COVID thing. Remember in New York, they put a big old ship hospital outside there for when the emergency happened and whatever happened to that ship? Well, they didn't really need it, Sam. But now they need it. Now it's real. But they've cried wolf so many times, ladies and gentlemen, that it's hard for me to get behind it. Now, I agree. They say, you know, hey, they're pushing hospitals to the brink for the second time. All right. But you've called the con game too many times. We've even had people go to the hospitals and prove that they're empty and take video and everything else. Now, I agree that hospitals in L.A. County might be pushed to the brink and hospital workers are overworked and melting down. California hospitals on the brink, maybe. California's on the brink for everything. They say paramedics brought to the brink in relentless COVID-19. Maybe so in certain areas. But let's be honest about it. I don't think hospitals are melting down everywhere. Be honest. And if you report that L.A. has a hospital problem, I get it. I agree. But when you ignore, when you ignore, ladies and gentlemen, the solutions for COVID-19, it's very hard for me to have confidence in your solutions. Doctor in Senate hearing pleads that we review the data and says, I can't keep doing this. I'm going to play this clip again coming up. We played it before on the radio, but you probably missed it. You got to hear this, folks. Why didn't you hear about it from the press? I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan, the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. That is why we pray. And that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. 
My fellow liberty-loving Americans, you got to ride like the wind to save the republic. I'll tell you that right now. Got a lot of work ahead of us. Good people doing good things everywhere. One of them is a doctor testifying before Congress. He literally says, I can't keep doing this. Doctor pleads for review of data during the COVID-19 Senate hearing. Did you hear about this from the mainstream press? I think not. My buddy Tim Starks is the one that brought this to my attention. But when we have headlines like U.S. hospitals are pushed to the brink as COVID-19 persists, I don't think it's true. Like some hospitals are, but not the majority. But then a doctor saying, I can't keep doing this, and he, and he proposes a COVID solution. He says the data is clear. But you don't even hear about this in the mainstream press. Isn't this news for this doctor to testify in Congress? Congress heard it. Did you? Here it is. To go untreated. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ryder. Our next witness is here in person, Dr. Pierre Corey. Dr. Corey is the former associate professor and chief of the critical care service and medical director of the trauma and life support center at the University of Wisconsin and recently joined the ICU service at Aurora St. Luke Medical Center in Milwaukee. He is board certified in critical medicine, <clears throat> pulmonary diseases, and internal medicine. Dr. Corey has traveled across multiple states in the U.S. to care for COVID-19 patients throughout the pandemic. He is also the president of the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, a nonprofit organization of critical care specialists led by Professor Paul Merrick, whose mission over the last nine months has focused on the research and development of effective treatment protocols for COVID-19 using repurposed drugs. He received his MD from St. George's University School of Medicine. And I'll, I'll only add that uh, we added Dr. Corey very late to our, I think, a hearing in May uh, because I'd heard of uh, his development of, I guess, anti-inflammatory steroids in critical care on COVID. And Dr. Corey, I have to tell you, I've had doctors come up to me and thank me for holding that hearing where they listen to you change their thinking they believe they've saved their patients' lives because of your testimony at that hearing. I, I hope your testimony will be as impactful today. Dr. Corey. Senator, thank you, and, and thank you for uh, holding this hearing. I just want to start out. I didn't think I'd have to say this, but I want to register my offense at the ranking member's opening statement. I was discredited as a politician. I am a physician and a man of science. I've done nothing nothing but commit myself to scientific truth and the care of patients. And, and to hear that I'm here because of a political angle, I am not a politician, I'm a physician. Wow, what an indictment. This is the point that I'm getting at. Democrats and Republicans always make it political, always play games. Now, this doctor had doubled down in defense of vaccinations that are untested and unproven rolling out to the nation or attacking Donald Trump. He'd be, you know, applauded as the next rock star of the future. Man, this guy and Fauci are the new twin rock stars of the uh, savior from COVID-19, right? But since this doctor literally testifies about the truth of some solutions, um, then they don't want to hear from him. They trash him and say that it's political and he takes serious offense. He's done nothing political. He's a physician. Good for him for calling them out on that dishonest attack. Wow. Here he continues with his medical and scientific evidence. I want to start out by saying that I'm not speaking as an individual. I'm speaking on behalf of the organization that I'm a part of. We are a group of some of the most highly published physicians in the world. We have near 2,000 peer-reviewed publications among us led by Dr. Prof uh, Professor Paul Marek, who is our intellectual leader, 
we came together early on in the pandemic, and all we have sought is to review the world's literature on every facet of this disease, trying to develop effective protocols. You just mentioned that I was here in May, and I touted, I wouldn't say touted, I recommended that it was critical that we use corticosteroids in this disease, when all of the national and international healthcare organizations said we cannot use those. That turned out to be a life-saving recommendation. I am here again today with a new... Hold on. Did you hear that? He went and testified in May. They said what he's saying isn't relevant, can't do it, but it turns out that it was life-saving. This is happening in Congress, and you don't hear about it. You just hear about a political attack, right? Listen to Dr. Pierre Corey again. Hold on. That turned out to be a life-saving recommendation. I am here again today... So he was there in May... Turned out to be life-saving. He's now here to testify and give you solutions again as a physician. With a new recommendation. In the last nine months, in our review of all of the literature as a group, again, we are some of the most highly published physicians in our specialty and the world. So he then says, I'm not just testifying as an individual. My whole group backs me in this. This is not just one physician. This is many physicians and nurses and doctors and professionals that make up this huge group. I'm testifying on their behalf. They're all endorsing what I'm saying as well. We have done nothing but try to figure out how to identify a repurposed and available drug to treat this illness. We have now come to the conclusion after nine months, and I I have to point out, I am severely troubled by the fact that the NIH, the FDA, and the CDC, I do not know of any task force that was assigned or compiled to review repurposed drugs in an attempt to treat this disease. Now, let me stop there and say, why not? Why wouldn't they have all avenues vetted, worked on? He's right. It's a very serious indictment and question. Everything has been about novel and or expensive pharmaceutically engineered drugs, things like tocilizumab and rendesivir and monoclonal antibodies and vaccines. We have 100 years of medicine development. We know we are expert in all the medicines we use, and I do not know of a task force that has been focused on repurposed drugs. I will tell you that my group and our organization, I will say that we have filled that void. We, that is all we have done is focus on the things we know and things we do. And I'm here to tell you, Dr. Ryder, he just presented. It was one, he has one study of the many that I want to talk about. And I want to talk about that we have a solution to this crisis. There is a drug that is proving to be of miraculous impact. And when I say miracle, I do not use that term lightly. And I don't want to be sensationalized when I say that. That is a scientific recommendation based on mountains of data that has emerged in the last three months. When I am told, and I just had to hear this in the opening sentence, that we are touting things that are not FDA or NIH recommended, let me be clear. The NIH, their recommendation on Evermectin, which is to not use it outside of controlled trials, is from August 27th. We are now in December. This is three to four months later. Mountains of data have emerged from all, from many centers and countries around the world showing the miraculous effectiveness of Ivermectin. But I got a question. Why would they say uh, ivermectin shouldn't be used at all outside of these uh, in the first place? They're putting vaccines outside of these clinical trials on on turbo operation warp speed. But yet we're not going to try drugs that we know for the most part are safe and effective. Can't do that. Months later, they don't admit it. Other countries are doing it and leading the way. Where's America?
Where's the genius? It's shut down by bureaucratic institutions. The doctor's testifying before Congress to that very reality. Basically obliterates transmission of this virus. If you Did you hear that? Take Hold on. Effectiveness of ivermectin. It basically obliterates transmission of this virus. Ivermectin obliterates transmission of this virus. And the mainstream press flat out ignores it. Congress knows you don't. I'm here to bridge the gap. If you want to help us do this over and over and over again, lovingliberty.net, donate big time, please. If you take it, you will not get sick. If you take what? Ivermectin, you will not get sick, he says. I want to briefly summarize the data. My manuscript, again, published by some of the, 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 the most, con- we have contributed more to the medical knowledge of our specialty in our careers than, than anyone else can claim as a group. And our manuscript, which was posted on Medicine Preprint Server, details all of this evidence. I want to briefly summarize it. Number one, we have evidence that ivermectin is effective not only in prophylaxis, in the prevention. If you take it, you will not get sick. We just came across a trial last night from Argentina by the lead investigator of ivermectin in Argentina, Dr. Hector Carvalho. They prophylaxed 800 healthcare workers. Not one got sick. In the 400 that they didn't prophylax with ivermectin, 58% got sick. 237 of those 400 got sick. If you take it, you will not get sick. It has immense and potent antiviral activity. We know that from the first study in Monash, it has made the bench to the bedside. Prophylaxis, we now have four large randomized controlled trials totaling over 1,500 patients, each trial showing that as a prophylaxis agent, it is immensely effective. You will not get sick. You will be protected from getting ill if you take it. In early outpatient treatment, we have three randomized controlled trials and multiple observation as well as case series showing that if you take ivermectin, the need for hospitalization and death will decrease. The most profound evidence we have is in the hospitalized patients. We have four randomized controlled trials there, multiple observation trials, all showing the same thing. You will not die, or you will die at much, much, much lower rates. Statistically significant, large magnitude results if you take ivermectin. It is proving to be a wonder drug. It has already won the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2015 for its impacts on global health in the eradication of parasitic diseases. It is proving to be an immensely powerful antiviral and anti-inflammatory agent. It is critical for its use in this disease. We, again, stand by our manuscript. It is a scientific manuscript. It's been submitted for peer review. But please recognize, peer review takes time. It takes months. We do not have months. We have 100,000 patients in the hospital right now dying. I'm a lung specialist. I'm an ICU specialist. Now, pause. We have 100,000 patients then. Now we have way more. And now we're saying hospitals are being overrun. But yet no one's heard anything about ivermectin being used outside of Congress. Why? I think their lack of reporting on this is criminal. The lack of telling the tale on this while we run around and tell you hospitals are melting down and everybody must lock down and put on masks and destroy the economy and promote expensive drugs and vaccines when this is available is criminal, folks. I've cared for more dying COVID patients than anyone can imagine. They're dying because they can't breathe. They can't breathe. They're on high flow oxygen delivery devices. They're on non-invasive ventilators and or they're sedated and paralyzed and attached to mechanical ventilators that breathe for them. 
and I watch them every day, they die. By the time they get me in the ICU, they're already dying. They're almost impossible to recover. Early treatment is key. We need to offload the hospitals. We are tired. I can't keep doing this. If you look at my manuscript, and if I have to go back to work next week, any further deaths are going to be needless deaths, and I cannot be traumatized by that. I cannot keep caring for patients when I know that they could have been saved with earlier treatment, and that drug that will treat them and prevent the hospitalization is ivermectin. This is, I am here today, I'm calling to action. The NIH, their last recommendation was August 27th. August 27th. I want to be clear. I am not here as a politician or a dramatist or, or sensationalizing what I'm recommending. I am gonna be very clear and very simple. All I ask is for the NIH to review our data that we've compiled of all of the emerging data. We have almost 30 studies. Everyone is reliably and reproducibly positive, showing the dramatic impacts of ivermectin. There you have it. I don't know how to say it more, but when I see stories like hospitals are melting down and overwhelmed and at the breaking point, oh, by golly, U.S. hospitals are pushed to the brink as the cocoa continues. I just, I don't mean to be offensive, but why aren't we discussing these solutions and why aren't we promoting ivermectin and these answers? I'd like to get Dr. Corey on the radio. I'll try. But all I'm telling you is we've got to tell the truth. The truth shall set us free. Whether it be election fraud, tell the truth. Who really caused the riots in the Capitol, tell the truth. The COVID-19 solution, ivermectin truth. God save the republic. We need to help. Will you help us? LovingLiberty.net.